This is Tommy Bowman, co-founding pastor of Mission Church in the suburbs of Chicago. And together we are answering this decade-long question of mine. What happens when attractional, communal, and missional church come together for movement? This is Redefining Church. Well, hey guys, welcome back to the Redefining Church podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Bowman. Huge thank you to those of you who have rated, reviewed, and subscribed where you listen to podcasts, uh, specifically the meaningful reviews you guys have been writing on Apple Podcasts. That means a lot. Uh, Rating, reviewing, subscribing, this helps get the word out. And so would you continue to do that? That would mean a lot to me, especially if you would pick that one church leader that you know that could benefit from this conversation and share it with them. That would mean a lot uh, on this journey. We have been asking this Redefining Church question, what happens when attractional, communal, and missional church come together for movement? In episode four, uh, two episodes ago, I talked to you about the four spiritual stages that people journey through, right? Explorer, believer, follower, and multiplier. Two things that are really important to note and remember about these uh, stages as we engage today's conversation. One, the church indirectly influences this spiritual journey, okay? This is a journey of spiritual nature that is directly influenced by the Holy Spirit. The second thing that this journey uh, you need to know is it's not a straight, you know, up and to the right, consistent journey. It goes forward and then backwards and sometimes fast and sometimes slow and sometimes it loops and comes back. Um, It's called life. Um, It's very unpredictable and everyone's journey is unique. However, there are also four phases that a person journeys through in relationship to your church or hopefully they go through these four phases. These, in contrast to the spiritual journey, are directly influenced by you, the church, and way more predictable of a journey. And so, as a leader, you have to be leading people with these two synergistic paths in mind, a person's relationship with Christ and a person's relationship with the church. Uh, The steps they take along one should impact the other and vice versa. Something to think about. Uh, should these be two distinct journeys and two distinct paths? The answer is no, but we did that. Um, a person was meant to be the church as they followed Jesus, but church got institutionalized and we got two paths. There is life in Jesus and life in the church. Our job uh, for the people in our churches is to bring those two paths together as one, to redefine church. So as people take steps in your church, they are taking steps with Jesus. As people take steps with Jesus, they are moving from being at church to being the church, which according to what we are all chanting during this shelter-in-place season, that's what we desire for our people to be unleashed and to be the church, right? You tracking? Um, So let me lay out these four uh, phases in a person's relationship with the church and hopefully your church. But chances are you might not have a strategy for all four of these phases. Uh, John Peacock, who I co-lead Mission Church with, uh, he and I actually came up with these four phases uh, separately. And then when we talked about them, we're like, oh my gosh, we came up with almost the same thing, uh, even the same language. So here they are. We teach these out in the final step of our 
growth track. These are not publicly you know, widespread, but we lead our people and we strategize through these lenses, through the lens of these four phases. Uh, the first phase when it comes to a person's relationship with your church and the church is consuming patron, okay? First, they're a consuming patron. This is someone who is checking you out or simply hanging out. Um, if they're simply hanging out, I think that's fine. They provide their presence and that's about it. You guys know this, the longer someone hangs out without taking a step, the more unlikely they are to ever take a step. So don't overspend your leadership resources on them. They don't actually want to be led. But they're also consuming patrons um, who are checking you out. They're not just hanging out, they're checking you out, right? They're new. Uh, this can be someone in that explorer phase of spirituality or it could be someone in that believer uh, stage of spirituality who has maybe left a church and is looking for a new church. And there are a couple different responses here that I think it's important. Uh, to the patron checking you out that is new in their faith journey, you need a clear and immediate first step for them. Okay, I'll do an episode at some point um, on our connections process through the lens of a movement vision in detail. Uh, but you need to get them moving. You cannot afford to lose out on their momentum, and you owe that to them as a leader. Uh, this would also apply to a patron checking you out who is churched. The difference is what state are they coming to you in? Uh, for some people, leaving a church and walking into yours was a hard and difficult and very prayerful decision. Perhaps they're coming in with some wounds from their last church. And while the invite is there for them to engage immediately, there needs to be an invitation for them to just be a patron for a while, uh, allowing them time to heal. So I wanted to say that other patrons that are churched and they are ready to engage, sometimes they want to engage your way. And often it's them hoping your way matches their way. Um, this is a critical moment in a person's journey in your church and you get one shot. You need to be clear about where your church is leading them in the end and how you are leading them at the start. So you get that one shot to be really clear. Uh, you need to say, hey, here's where our church is going to lead you in the end. And here's the first thing you can do to start. Okay, so give them the end and then give them the start, both in a very clear way. It gets back to what I talked about in episode three. What kind of church are you? A cruise ship, a battleship, or an aircraft carrier? There will always be the opportunity and the temptation to be accommodating to every patron that checks out your church. Uh, but God did not call you to accommodate. He called you to advance. Now, we don't abandon um, hospitality and being gracious in the process, uh, but you are called to adv advance a people, not accommodate every person, okay? You are called to advance a people, not accommodate every person. So that's consuming patron. The key thing here is how quickly and effectively can you lead them to become the next phase, which is contributing participant, okay? Cont contributing participant. Um, in my last episode, I talked about this. Um, a lot of churches will aim to get people from a guest to in a group. And I talked at length about some of the problems here and how small groups are getting people more stuck than they're getting people sent. And in the case of this episode, they're not helping people move into the next two critical phases 
um, of their relationship with your church. So the best thing you can do is give them the opportunity to look outside of themselves and to serve others. Your church certainly has serving opportunities, I'm sure. I would prioritize this step before groups if you're going to continue to do small groups. Also, you can actually create community where people serve. Um, If you called your team together, your staff together, leadership team, whatever, for 30-minute meeting and asked, how can we create the community people get in their small groups on a Wednesday night? in their serving environment on a Sunday morning. If you go, if you called a meeting and talked about that, you would find a solution. You would find a way. I just gave you the permission to have that conversation. So quick tip too, we don't call it serving. We call it volunteering. Uh, we called it serving for years, but then we noticed that unchurched people don't call it serving. And when unchurched people walked in our doors and we talked about serving, they kept asking about our volunteer opportunities. And so finally, we wised up and started using their language and the church people will adapt. So something to think about. Uh, Key point here is you got to get people participating. Create moments where your church for them goes from they to we. You know that awesome moment when someone stops saying your church and they start saying our church. Okay, that right there Make that happen quicker for people. Uh, For us, when we capture a volunteer story, they almost always say the words, Mission Church became home for me when I started volunteering. So get people uh, to be contributing participants. And I just want to make sure that this uh, sinks in. If you have groups and serving in your church, right? If you have contributing opportunities and community opportunities, contributing causes the craving for community more than community causes the craving for contributing. Okay. I will repeat that. Contributing causes the craving for community in a person more than being in community causes the craving for more contributing in their life. And so if you give them one, they're going to probably get to the other. If you give them the other, they might not get to the other. So get people contributing as quickly as you can. We are giving people a taste of both in our volunteer environments, uh, together through volunteering, knowing that we are leading them to deeper levels of both community and volunteering in the next two phases. And to be candid, this is an area that we need to keep getting better at with our volunteers. But I know, I know that it works. Um, So consuming patron, first phase in their relationship with your church, get them to contributing participant, and then get them to this really important third phase, which is a committed partner. Now, on this topic, I believe uh, membership is biblical. I also care more about the meaning of the word than the actual word. And so we don't have members, we have partners. What we say on this point is churches have members, movements require something more. Uh, Members have rights, partners have responsibilities. Uh, My gym has members. Uh, Country clubs have members. Netflix has members, of course. Uh, Members are good people, uh, but people don't become members because of what it empowers them to do for others. People become members because of what they get. And that's not a bad thing. That just is what it is. So I change it if you can uh, at your church. I think words matter. So partners, um, I will do an episode on this as well, a deep dive into our three values, gather, grow, and go. Um, but a partner, 
partners are people who are followers of Jesus who gather to the fullest level at our church. Uh, we call that gathering differently. Uh, followers of Jesus who gather differently. Um, basically, they volunteer, they invite, and they give. That's it. It's pretty simple. And the reason that that is, is there's another phase that people rarely get to that we want to make sure our people get to. So we keep this phase both uh, critical, but simple. Um, I'll do an episode on partners and how we do that too, of course. Um, But partners are the core of our church. We give information to them first. We also call on them to act first in particular moments. Partners are all about what Jesus prayed in John 17 about unity. If you asked me why do we have partners, my simplest answer would be to fan into flame Jesus' prayer that they may be one. That's why we have partners. Uh, We say at Mission, we don't start movements. God does. Our job is to be prepared for one. We believe that a growing number of people leading the way in belief for our vision better prepares us for movement. And our job is to be prepared for movement. Uh, Our vision is a movement of Jesus in the 10 in our lifetime. The 10 is our local context. Partners are committed to their belief in that end. So because vision is clear and partners are unified, a partner gathering at our church and maybe a membership meeting at a different church, they look very different. A membership meeting might lead to havoc. Um, A partner gathering at our church leads to hallelujahs. I mean, we literally worship, call on the Holy Spirit to lead us closer to our vision being a reality. It's, It's a unified people praising Jesus, believing for a movement of Jesus. And then those who want to engage even more in movement readiness, they move from committed partner, the third phase of their relationship with our church, to the most important phase of them being the church and you redefining church for them. And that is moving to being a commissioned planter. Okay. That is the fourth phase, a commissioned planter. Uh, Do you have a plan to commission people as the church not at the church. Do you have a plan to commission people as the church, not at your church? Um, There has been a wave of growth tracks across the American church. Part of me thinks this is a good thing. I do think it will become the next version of what small group ministry has been the last two decades. And the reason is because the ones that I see and hear about, uh, they don't lead to a commissioned end. They lead to a connected end. Um, churches have taken their kind of starting point, their membership class, their assimilation class, and they've slapped the word growth track on it, um, which is fine. It just doesn't lead to a commissioned end. It leads to a connected end. We launched our growth track in January of 2017 with the end of equipping and preparing people to go, to leave the church, to go and help people find and follow Christ. Like a lot of other things uh, that I've mentioned, I will do a deep dive as well uh, in an episode on our growth track. I think there'll be a lot you can glean from that episode in our growth track and where it leads people. Um, But it leads them to becoming a planter, which is simply defined by these two things, who they are going to and who they are going with. So I said our values are gather, grow, go. A planter knows who they're going to and who they're going with. The planter says, I am sent in the name of Jesus to this neighborhood or the parents of this school or the people who work out at this gym, etc. 
And um, here's the people that I'm going with. That's a planter. Who they're going to and who they are going with. If we can't work to get people to that end at our churches, then what are what are we actually doing? Okay, if we cannot get people through our strategies and ministries to a commissioned end, then what are we doing? And in asking that, I'm not trying to imply that it's easy either, because it's not, but it is possible. Uh, your church will not give you a standing ovation when you announce a vision and a strategy towards this end. A few people will, and you'll start with those people. And that number of people will grow as you keep pointing people to a compelling vision for a movement of Jesus in your local context. If you want to ready your church for movement, make a plan that welcomes consuming patrons and quickly leads them to become contributing participants. Make a plan for people to become a committed core, right? This this committed partner unifying your church Make a plan to grow those partners into commissioned planters. You are building an aircraft carrier. So make a plan to build an aircraft carrier. And by the way, there is a role for patrons, participants, partners, and planters on an aircraft carrier. But the end goal is the same for all, to be launched off the flight deck. Uh, Make a plan. Tom Patterson, uh, founder of... The Patterson Center, they do Strat Up, they do Life Plan, one of the smartest leaders ever. Uh, he has one of my favorite quotes. It's this, if you plan your work and work your plan, your plan will work. And then introduce the Holy Spirit into that. If you plan your work and work your plan, your plan will work. What better time to make a plan to redefine church than now? And stop asking only how you will reopen your church in this time. Start asking how you will redefine church. These are the four phases when it comes to a relationship that someone has with the church, and hopefully they have with your church. Consuming patron, contributing participant, committed partner, and commissioned planter. These are the four phases of a person's relationship to your church. Are your people experiencing all four of these when it comes to their relationship? Or are they only experiencing two of them or three of them? Do you have a plan to move people through all four of these phases? Once again, thank you for going on this Redefining Church journey with me through this podcast. It would mean a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, share with that one leader who could benefit from this Redefining Church conversation. Until next time, my name is Tommy Bowman, and this is Redefining Church. Редактор субтитров А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова